0: Good morning. I'm Tom Sunderland. I'm an elder here. Uh, Our scripture reading uh, for this morning is from Ezekiel 36, verses 26 to 28. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you. And move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land that I gave your ancestors. You'll be my people, and I will be your God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Tom. Well, as is our uh, practice for this series on the Holy Spirit, we're going to uh, light a candle to remind us of the beauty and the warmth of God's presence with us as we gather to hear from His Word. As we do, I want to share with you a beautiful prayer from um, A.W. Tozer, The Knowledge of the Holy, that has been a gift to me this week. So let me pray this for us. It's up there because it's pretty dense. Would love for you to follow along. You can just do so silently. Lord God, when we attempt to speak forth thy wonders, our words how poor they seem, and our speech how unmelodious. When we consider the fearful mystery of thy triune Godhead, we lay our hand upon our mouth. Before that burning bush, we ask not to understand, but only that we may fitly adore thee, one God in persons three. Enlarge and purify the mansions of our souls that they may be fit habitations for thy spirit who does prefer before all temples the upright heart and pure. Amen. I love that. I love that. There's always something uh, weighty and significant uh, in the opening of God's word before you to encourage you in life with God, but especially when we are speaking specifically of the Holy Spirit and the mystery and wonder of God. So that has been uh, a sweet prayer for me this week. You know, whenever I am preaching on a weekend, I spend Saturday morning at a coffee shop near our house, and I go really early, and I basically just throw a big comfy sweater over my PJs, and I go sit in a corner. And yesterday, I mean, it's so early, it's, it's still dark, and yesterday, as I was pulling my books out of my bag, I had gotten my coffee, hadn't had a sip yet, hadn't had a chance to put my earbuds in my ears, and this man next to me must have seen the titles of the books. And as I'm taking off my coat, he says, can I ask you, what do you think of the Trinity? Trinity? I was like, oh, gosh, I'm still in my pajamas. I'm just not ready to talk with you. And so I just said, like, the first thing that came to my mind after, oh, I wish I had listened better to Eric's sermon last week, was, "Um, well, I'm a big fan. (laughs) And he said, okay, interesting, which felt like an invitation to keep going. And so on we went. And we had this very interesting conversation, and I was there for probably at least four hours, so was he, he decided to just (laughs) also be there for that long. Um, And he told me that he believes in the Dharma Trinity, and he told me all about it, I asked him, tell me all about it. And after he did, I asked him the most honest question that came into my mind, and I just said, so what is the origin of it all? And he thought for a moment, and then he said nothing, nothingness is the origin of it all and the absolute truth of life. So I just repeated that back to him. Nothingness is the absolute truth of life. So we had this really kind of salty, uh, provocative air kind of between our tables for the whole morning. And three more times throughout the morning, he would kind of respectfully get my attention and come back to this question of origin, and really the meaning of life, the source of life. And it was especially provocative as I was working on this sermon about the Holy Spirit, and he was apparently coming up with answers to the questions that I was giving to him. Now, I know and I love that many of you have this regular practice of reading interesting books at coffee shops for this reason, or leaving them on your desk at work so that people can ask you questions. And I just want to say, I want to be more like you in that. <laughs> I want to. Um, but, you know, a huge part of this year of Love Local is learning how our neighbors and the people around us think about life and things like origin and purpose And engaging with them in that, and talking with them in that, becoming conversation partners. And if my answer is any encouragement to you, you don't have to have a really well-thought-out answer. I'm a big fan. Like, that's all it took, and off we went. So one of the reasons we wanted to do a series on the Holy Spirit as part of this year of Love Local is that we know that the Spirit is the one who empowers us, really, to love and to listen and to hear in ways beyond ourselves. The Spirit gives us wisdom and insight into things unseen and enables us really to witness to God's life and beauty and truth and to share that with others. So this is just week two in this eight-week sermon series of the Holy Spirit, and I am so excited to be learning right along with you and to grow together. And I know many of you are talking about life in the Spirit in your small groups, and I just want to encourage you to continue on in that. It's so great. So today's sermon is entitled Wind, and the reason for that title is that wind and breath, or ruach in Hebrew, was the original name for the Holy Spirit. And this word ruach is used almost 400 times in the Old Testament, and then it's translated into the Greek as pneuma in the New Testament, uh, same meaning. So breath and wind is how the people spoke of the presence of And the work of God's Spirit. And for the Jews, what we know is that names always said something about the origin and the function of the one who is named. And Ruach is that kind of name. It tells us, really, about the attributes, about the way that the Spirit goes about His work. And so today we're going to begin with a broad sweep through scripture and see how this original name for the Spirit, Ruach, helps us better know who the Spirit is and what he's about. So I just want you to know, I ended up not including Acts 2 as I had anticipated. So if you read ahead and you were really looking forward to that, I trust it will be a good foundation. I'm sure we will get there at some point. But there was just so much to explore in the Old and New Testament about Ruach, about the wind, the breath of God. So let me tell you from the very beginning what I want you to leave with this morning just so you know right from the beginning as we do this exploring. And it is this. That the Holy Spirit is the source of life and new life. Another way to say it is this. God's Spirit both empowered creation and empowers the new creation. We talked a lot about that in Revelation this summer. And we need both life and new life We need the creation and the new creation. And the goodness and the mystery is that this always happens with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. So as we seek to call out the goodness of one of the three persons of the Trinity, what we see is we recognize how much communion there is, how much fellowship and love and glory and humility and power in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That being said, last week we started at the very beginning, and I want to go back there to revisit Genesis 1. It says this In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God, Ruach, was hovering over the waters. So the Holy Spirit hovered, and when God spoke with his breath, his Ruach, his Spirit brings about creation. And then in chapter two, we see this. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and he ruached into his nostrils the breath, the ruach of life, and the man became a living being, the breath of God. And in Numbers, Moses said this, God gives breath, ruach, to all living things. God's spirit, the breath of God, is the source of life. You know, the first thing the Nicene Creed Nicene Creed says about the Holy Spirit is this, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the Holy Spirit is God, the giver of life. So through the Holy Spirit, Ruach, God breathed life into creation. And one of the things that's implied here is that we do not have life in and of ourselves, that we are dependent on the Spirit of God for our very life, for our breath. And some would call that an aspect of the common grace of God. So though my friend from the coffee shop does not acknowledge the source of life, any source of life, he too, along with everyone and everything that's been created, has life that was created by the Father, through the Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit. But what's common to all creation as well is that it's groaning, is how Romans 8 says it. Not only creation, but we ourselves, it says in Romans 8, because of sin. If we are even mildly aware and honest, we know that something is very wrong with creation, with our lives, with our very selves. One writer, uh, who I've really appreciated, Michael Reeves, explained the problem this way. When Adam and Eve turned away from God in Genesis 3, they turned to death. As a result, we all come into the world spiritually dead in our transgressions and sins. Death here, of course, doesn't mean non-existence. We're breathing, we're living. Rather, it is like Adam and Eve, our hearts are turned from the Lord, who is the source of life. And this is both an essential and challenging thing to declare about humanity, that without God, the source of life, a person is alive in their body, but at the same time can be dead in their spirit. And this really is the basic human problem that Jesus has come to address. That sin has made it so that we are born into the world with hearts turned away from God, away from the source of life. And until we turn back to the source of life, we cannot live the way that we were made to live. We're made not only of flesh, but also of spirit. We need not only life, but new life. And unless the Spirit of God breathes, ruachs new life into our spirit, we remain spiritually dead. That is a hard word. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes this, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. One of the conversations that best captures the longing of creation for new creation, of life for new life, of flesh and spirit, is John 3. Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, a religious leader, a rabbi, who was both curious, captivated, and agitated by Jesus. He was drawn to him. And Nicodemus was asking Jesus questions really about the source, the origin of his power to do the things that he was doing. And here's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Or interestingly, some translations, born from above. How can someone be born when they're old, Nicodemus asked? Surely they they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Good point. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. This is where we get the language of being born again. And that's gotten a bad rap in some circles for many different reasons, including this oddity of even the idea of crawling back into your mother's womb. But again, being born again or spiritually born is absolutely essential to the Christian life. But I feel really sympathetic to Nicodemus in this place. We have 2,000 years of standing on the shoulders of people who have wrestled with what it means to be born spiritually, rebirth, new creation. But I can imagine him wondering, Jesus, what are you talking about? To be reborn. But what Jesus is saying is that unless the Spirit breathes new life into you, you will remain spiritually turned away from the source of life, spiritually dead. We need to be born spiritually. And Jesus uses, you can hear this ruach, this wind, this pneuma language of wind and breath, and also the baptismal language of water. It says that in order for us to see the kingdom of God, to live as God created us to live with his life in us, you must be born of the Spirit, born again, born from above. Dale Bruner reflected on this passage, and he wrote this about the work of the Spirit. He says, We do not know where the wind we feel in an open field is coming from, nor do we have any idea where it's going, but we know its reality by its effects, palpable and visible on and around us. This is exactly the case with the Spirit and everyone born of the Spirit. The Spirit's coming is incalculable and deeply mysterious. We cannot canalize, program, or regulate the Spirit's coming. He is entirely sovereign and unmanipulable. I love that. Holy Spirit is God himself, God at work. And Jesus, it's clear that we need new life. We need to be born of the Spirit. But it's up to us for God, it's up to God to do that in us. He is God and he is sovereign. He will do that in his way. I think one of the words of uh, encouragement that I would give to you is this. It's from Ezekiel that Tom read earlier. Ezekiel is often called the prophet of the Holy Spirit. And he spoke of this too, and he, uh, this is what Ezekiel writes. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit, ruach, in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you. So we participate with God in and being open, and sharing the gospel, and uh, opening God's word, and being together. But the Spirit of God will come and breathe his life into us. We need not be afraid, but we also know that God will do that in the way that God will do. The life that the Spirit gives to us is not some abstract thing. It's actually not a thing at all. The life that the Spirit gives to us is his very self his presence that we might know and enjoy him and enjoy the fellowship of the father son and holy spirit the life that the spirit breathes in us really is pointing us to know jesus he opens our eyes to jesus in scripture as we worship in the lives and the words of others the experiences that he gives to us. These are ways that we both avail ourselves to the work of the Spirit and trust that God is going to do God's work to fill and use and transform us to give us new life. There's a group called The Bible Project, and I love their work. And they've created a a three-and-a-half-minute video about ruach, about the Holy Spirit, and the way that the Spirit works. so much is in there you can just go on youtube if you want to watch that again the bible project holy spirit uh great uh resources there but i love that that the christian hope is that the spirit of god is going to finish the job of new creation and that god includes his people as part of that work of new creation thing that I also love is the way that they talked about that at Jesus' baptism, when the Spirit of God descended on Jesus like a dove, that that is really where the beginning of Jesus' ministry is. And uh, Luke 4, right after that, says he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was sent out to do ministry. He was really empowered to do the work of new creation in a new way as the Spirit uh, filled and worked through him. And here's what is so amazing to me, is that this Ruach, this spirit of God, the breath of God that empowered even Jesus Christ for the ministry of new creation is the very same spirit that also raised Jesus from the dead. And it is that same spirit that lives in us, that is given to us and gives us new life and recreates us that we might join in this work of new creation. Romans 8, I think, summarizes really what we've been talking about today, just these two verses, and we're going to spend more time in Romans 8 later in the year. But I love this summary. He says this, But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death, again, our flesh, because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness, and that is the righteousness of Christ. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. This is such an incredible word of hope that we know ourselves to be people of flesh. We know ourselves with mortal bodies, but this promise because of Jesus because of his death and his life and his resurrection and the gift of the spirit of god living in us that we are made new creations that where we were dead that we have life and that the same spirit that empowered Jesus to be about that work of new creation is the same spirit that comes and dwells in us and empowers us to join in what God is doing. It's really an amazing thing, an amazing thing. You know, we just started a prayer practice as a staff where every single person on our staff, no matter what their job description, at some point throughout the day, every day, uh, is to stop what they're doing for 10 minutes, close the door, turn off their phone, and spend 10 minutes of uninterrupted time in prayer. This is just, again, another way that we avail ourselves to the Spirit of God. And so I've been lighting a candle, just like we do here, to remind me of God's physical presence, a spiritual presence with me. I silence my phone and I just set a timer so I can just sit still freely for 10 minutes and um, spend time in God's presence. And even working at a church, we need accountability to do this every day and encouragement to do that. And I would just love to invite any of you who want to join us in that, to take 10 minutes to be still before the Lord. I know many of you already do that. But join us in that. We pray for you. We pray for things going on in the church, love local stuff in the community. But I, um, on Thursday, as I was praying, this caught me to be funny because it just— came up in my own spirit when I was praying, but I actually, um, as I was sitting there praying, I looked down, like, as I was peering into my own soul, and I said out loud to the Holy Spirit, what's it like in there with all those hormones? (laughs) And it was really, like, that was my feeling, like, I'm so sorry that this is the, uh, atmosphere that you live and dwell in in my body. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you live with people who know what I'm talking about. But it was like I was saying, can you really do anything with me in here? Like, if the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead is living in here, like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that this is how it is. And I think all of us sometimes have that, like, what's it like in there with that fill in the blank? What's it like in there with my anxiety? What's it like in there with my misordered affections? What's it like in there with my lust, with my anger, with my depression? And I think sometimes we want to say like, oh, it's okay. Probably I just need to kind of get off the front lines because there's too much of this going on. And this Holy Spirit didn't really answer me, my question about my inhospitable hormonal environment, at least directly. But this is what I have noticed as I've spent time looking at the breath of God, the wind of God, the ruach. You know, we have a responsibility. In Advent, we talked about prepare him room, that one of our responsibilities is to uh, be open, to say, Lord, I want to be a place where you would dwell, where it would be good for you to dwell we prayed about that at the very beginning that we would have spacious and holy mansions in our soul for the lord to dwell but the reality is that god knows that there are places that are full of chaos and full of darkness and even death in us and this is what i want to encourage you is that the spirit does his work where there is chaos and darkness and death. It's precisely out of chaos and darkness that the Holy Spirit broke. He breathed, he breathed his life and beauty and order into all of creation. And if he can do that with the darkness and the void, he can do it with you in your heart. I love what the Bible Project video said. The Spirit still hovers over dark places today and points to Jesus And that's what the Spirit does in us as well. That if there are dark and disordered and even dead places in you and in your life, don't be afraid. That's where the Spirit comes and brings new life and new creation. And that's precisely where he needs to come and breathe on you. It's the very Spirit that rose Christ from the dead. He is not put off by hormones. He's not put off by darkness. He comes and he breathes new life. He comes and he does the work of new creation in the places where it is needed. So I want to invite you to invite the Spirit to come and bring his presence, bring his life giving breath to blow through your soul, to bring new life and new creation. That is the work that the Spirit wants to do in us. And he wants to do it through us individually, but also as a whole church. Spirit, come and blow your life through us. Wake us up. Renew what is dead. Awaken. Give us new life. So don't be afraid to avail yourself to the Spirit, to be opened to the breath of God, the very presence of God, to come and dwell in you. Let's pray. God, you are so kind, you are so gentle. We thank you, God, that um, you do your work, that you delight to come, that you want to transform what is dead to being alive, that you are about the work of new life and new creation, and we know that in ourselves. So we thank you that in Jesus Christ, you have given us your life. And God, we pray for that ongoing work. That even with Christ in us, that you would continue to renew and remake those places that need to be remade. So we just take a moment before you and name those places that we know in us that are dark and disordered and chaotic. God, as we name them, God, we uh, open ourselves to you, to your presence. We need you. We need your new life. We need your life-giving breath to blow through us. So God, we pray that you would have your way in us. We want to join you in this work. Lord, thank you that you invite us to be part of what you're doing. We love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen.